This is the Dice Tower Network, adding games to your wish list since 2005. The home of smart people, insightful board gaming commentary, and Luke Hector. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. The Broken Meeple, Episode 48, A New Voice. Welcome to The Broken Meeple, a podcast about board games and card games. On today's show, armed with my new podcast recording equipment, it's time to give my thoughts on both Essen 2016 and Aircon 2016. I also talk about my new Patreon campaign and my future plans for The Broken Meeple podcast and the return to video. Hello everyone, welcome back. I'm sorry for the massive absence I have had. It has been a busy October and that is saying something. Not only have I had to go to three separate conventions, two of which required me to travel a fair distance, one overseas and one up to the top of the country, but also I had to finish off moving house. However, it's now the end of an era. Okay, I've got one last thing to sort out being a phone line activation, which is in the works, it's getting there. But other than that, I am now settled in. The house is ready. My game room is 99% ready. I'm just unpacking and un, you know unboxing a few games just to make certain that the shelf is right before I take a shelfie. But it's pretty much there, ready for people to play games with, and I'm loving the look of it. Yeah, it's a little bit cosy, but it will do for now. Of course, the biggest change I hope you guys have noticed is the improvement in audio quality. I invested a bit of funds lately into some new podcast recording equipment because I was just getting a bit fed up with using that headset. The headset was fine and it gave me a nice sort of bassy voice, but it also had the side effect of plosives, which is the sort of big explosion popping sound you hear when people say things like P, the letter P and stuff like that. That was getting on my nerves. And also, the wire on the headset would drag across my polo shirt. And when that happens, then you can hear that in the background, and you would hear occasional interferences. And it just made it sound a little bit amateurish. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was certainly an improvement on the old Blue Yeti I used ages ago. But it's nice to be able to do away with that headset. Not to mention, I don't have to like overheat like crazy because of the uh, headset being on my head in a tiny little room. Now I've got a spacious study with good ventilation, so I should avoid overheating like crazy, apart from just needing a drink every so often. So I need you guys to give me some feedback as to whether you think the audio is a significant improvement, whether there's anything that can be still improved or changed. Obviously, I can't do much about my Somerset accent. You're just going to have to put up with that. But certainly the audio quality itself. And I've not got some cheap bit of kit here. I've got myself a Rode Podcaster microphone with the boom arm. So it attaches to my desk and I can swivel it around with the occasional scrape on the wall, but nearby. And I've got the boom mount for it, the shock mount, so it can, you know, I can rattle the thing like so, and hopefully you're not hearing any interference when I do that. And of course it has the extra little features like the um, pop filter, so that those plosives should hopefully 99.9% be a thing of the past. Of course, if you do hear them on a regular basis, then please let me know, but I think from testing that I've done already, it's all pretty good so far. It just plugs into my PC by the USB port, sits on my desk, 
and now I can just sit back comfortably in my new racing chair and, you know, just talk normally without having to feel like I'm constantly checking for outside interference and that. And in terms of background noise, well, I might live on a construction site technically at the moment, but I can't hear anything outside at the moment, which is good for this podcast. But even then, the microphone doesn't pick it up. The only thing this microphone picks up is the sound generated from my PC below. And even then, one quick noise removal feature on Audacity, and it's gone, and you hopefully shouldn't be hearing that at all as I'm talking now. So... Fingers crossed, this is going to be a significant change for the podcast in order for the quality to be improved. Because always I want to improve my blog, I want to improve my podcast, and I want to get back into video. And speaking of getting back into video, it's time to... This is slightly advertisation... Advertisation? You know, it's slightly preaching it, but... Essentially, I have now set up a Patreon page. So now there is, you know, a lot of other podcasts have done this in order to raise money to support their own podcast. I know a lot of them do it by Kickstarter. I've decided to go down the Patreon route for ease and simplicity, although it was a bit of a mission setting up the page. So you can find me on patreon.com slash the broken meeple, or one word. And essentially what I've done is I've put a selection of pledge rewards and some goals that I'm aiming for. But the reason I've put myself on Patreon is because I want to get back into video. I used to do video for a little while and if you look back on YouTube you can see some of my older work. Of course I had to use a subpar camera, subpar microphone, subpar experience, horrible environment and it was only as good as I could get it. I now want to do it in my new game room. I want to invite people from my games group up for top 10 lists. I want to do proper reviews, you know, wordy of the Dice Tower. And Sam Healy has even invited me to come on Throat Punch Lunch, the variety show he does, once I'm actually up and ready. Now, he suggested that I can probably start doing it with my smartphone. The only thing is, I've never really tried to do a video series with just a smartphone, and ideally I'd like to give better quality than a smartphone. Maybe I can at least try a few test results to see how it goes, but, you know, I want to really get into a proper sense of quality. So, on that note, the reason the Patreon is up is because I need to raise funds to obviously buy the equipment. You know, video equipment is not cheap. I need a camera, I need a tripod, I need a decent audio, I need a laptop to record the audio on because the game room is separate to my PC recording room. I also need some lighting in the background because the lighting in that room is okay, but you've got to get it perfect for a video, otherwise you look dark and faded as anything. You know, check out a few of the other sort of YouTube amateur videos you see online and you'll see what I mean on that. And of course, on top of that, I also need to get some software to do the video editing because the one that I use for my audio is getting outdated faster and faster and it caters right for a podcast, but it's really inefficient for video at the moment. So I would have to get a new set of software, learn how to use that. I've got to obviously pay the hosting fees for this podcast in general and obviously there'll be YouTube storage and everything. There's going to be a lot of stuff to pay for and I'm going to fund some of this out of my own pocket as well. You know, I have a job but obviously I've got to pay the bills. I'm in a more expensive house now than I was before. But I will be contributing and updating over time. But honestly, I could use your help to really continue with this. You know, you don't have to pledge tons. I've put pledge rewards as high as like $10 an episode but then I've also put them as low as one. So it's really as much as you feel like spending every little helps, even if it's just $1 an episode, it would really help just to pay for some of the fees I have to do with this podcast because it is a self-funding thing. This is a hobby. I don't get paid to do this and it would also help me to 
pay off some of the credit for getting, I mean, for, for starters, this podcast equipment cost me a good 250 quid, you know, for all this lot. And that's just for the podcast. You know, I'm going to have to pay at least three times that to get anything half decent for a video equipment setup. So, you know, this stuff takes time and it takes money and any help I can get will be greatly appreciated. Even once I've got the video set up and running, the Patreon will still run because I'll look in ways of improving it, you know, upping the quality, allowing for more people to come on, maybe do multi guest recording and maybe who knows find a way to travel overseas to the american cons or just take the broken meeple you know mobile to various conventions in order to record audio there and interview people it would be great to improve it in that sense but obviously it's going to take time and it's going to take money and well time is starting to come back into the fray so you'll start seeing written reviews come up like the wazoo from this point forward but it's certainly going to be like you know money wise I do need to pay the bills, so I am going to need a little help with that. So please, if you can, if you can just give any little thing onto the Patreon page, it will be greatly appreciated. Obviously, there's some incentives for it. You know, obviously, I'll mention you on the podcast. If you're a big subscriber, I will also be doing things like uh, asking, you know, you'll be able to submit questions for Q&A segments I can do on the podcast, you know, a bit like how Tom and Eric do it on theirs. I will also be allowing you to vote on potential top 10 lists that are coming out. You know, I'll give you a selection that I'm interested in doing and I'll let certain level pledge supporters to pick their favorite and I will do that first. And also what I'll end up doing with that is I'll allow people to choose their personal top pick for a particular list. And if I haven't already featured it on my own top 10, I will mention it on the podcast as an honorable Patreon mention, you know, if, if that makes sense. So there's various ways that you can help and honestly any help is greatly appreciated because I want to take this broken meeple as far as I possibly can as a one-man band that just enjoys talking about board games. So again, the address www.patreon.com slash thebrokenmeeple. I've advertised it on my Facebook and my Twitter before. Failing that, email me. I'll show you the link. You should be able to find it easily enough. It's got my photo on there. It's got my logo as the banner page. You should be able to see a full explanation of what it is I'm trying to do, what goals I'm aiming for. You know, no information is hidden. It's all there, open book. Ask any questions if you like, if you're unsure. But honestly, any little helps. So on with the rest of this episode, there's no top 10 this week because I want to get people to actually vote on some of the top 10s, but also because today I've already got a lot to talk about. I've already just mentioned the Patreon thing, I've already mentioned about the new podcast equipment, I now need to start talking about conventions, and I've been to two doozies in the last month, first being Essen 2016, and the second being Aircon 2016, well, Aircon 3, I think they technically called it, it was the third one that they've done up in Bradford, UK, and Essen is obviously Essen, Germany. So I want to go over each convention in turn, just say what I thought, who I met, things I got up to, because both conventions were a blast, and I feel that both of them should get some time in this episode. By the time I've done talking about them, there's not really much room to fit in an entire top 10 list in, so normal service will review resume from that. Although, at the end of the episode, I might get on to what I'm thinking of planning for the podcast episode format because I did get into this a while back and some people gave me feedback and it was kind of mixed. I want to try and open that door again and see what people really want from the format of this podcast. You know, do you want long episodes, short episodes, a mixture of segments, just one segment? You know, we'll get onto that later.
So beginning with Essen 2016, the last podcast I did was my pre-Essen episode where I talked about games I was anticipating and stuff I was going to look forward to at Essen in general. Well, Essen happened and compared to last year, I still enjoyed it, but it wasn't quite as mind-blowing as last year's was. I think because last year I had that kind of kid-in-a-candy-store type mentality. It was the first time I'd gone, it was the biggest convention I'd ever been to, I was on a high, I was still developing my game collection, so there was a lot of stuff I wanted to buy, even, you know, not just new releases, but old stuff as well, and it was kind of mind-blowing and overwhelming at that point. This time I felt a bit more restrained. Not just because I had to worry about luggage space, well, until my friends at GamesQuest told me I could use their van, and then, well, that just opened the doors, really. But it was also because I wasn't looking forward to as many games this year as I was last time. That's not to say there weren't any good games at Essen, there was plenty of them. But last year, I remember having a huge list of games that I really, really wanted. This year, after using Tabletop Together's little list, I realised that there was a fair few things I wanted, but not desperately. I didn't feel like there was many games there where it's like, I must have this game. It, it just wasn't quite as like, you know, the, the anticipation and the hype wasn't quite there for me. And when I got to play a few games that I was looking forward to, not all of them really hit the mark. I was kind of disappointed with a few of them. I don't know, it sounds overly negative, but maybe I'm just getting a bit more picky with games now that my collection is full. Because I can't just add stuff to my collection anymore, I've used up all the shelving in my games room, and considering I had more space in this one than I did the last one, that's kind of worrying. I'm not sure where all those extra games came from. But now it means that if I want to keep a game, I've usually got to replace something else, and that means it's going to have to be really good to replace something in my collection as it is. It can't just be mediocre at best. But for at Essen, I stayed at the Motel 1 Essen, which not many people I knew from Twitter were actually there as well. I was kind of expecting more. Maybe there'll be more people next year, I don't know. But, you know, if people are going to Essen next year, I need to book a hotel for that in advance because they do fill up quickly. So if you're going to stay at a particular hotel and you want to meet up, then give me a shout. Maybe I can stay in the same one. We'll see. Providing it's close to Essen itself, I really can't stress the necessity to be either near a train station or to be near the convention itself, like within walking distance, for example. Now, obviously, I walked around the convention wearing a Broken Meagle t-shirt, and I went around to demo games, check things out, talk to publishers who wanted to see me, pick up pre-orders, that kind of thing. But I was also working on certain shifts on the Dice Tower booth, and that was great fun. I really, really enjoyed that, because it was only for an hour or two each day, Although, I must admit, by the Saturday, the end of Saturday of the convention, I was kind of done. You know, when you're, I feel that two to three days, even if you're doing work for other publishers, is enough to get your money's worth out of that convention. Or certainly to see everything you plan to see, and then anything on Sunday is just a hidden gem. You know, if you come across anything. So on Sunday, I was only meant to work for an hour, but I worked for the half the day. I just sat there on the booth chatting with Eric Summerer, and Derek, I think he was there for a long time. And on other days, you know, Sam was there, Tom was there, Z was there, it, Jason was there. It was brilliant to hang out with those guys in a much more intimate nature than just simply a fleeting glance, you know, when they're walking around the convention. So if they want me back next time, I'll be glad to do that again. It was very enjoyable. I got to meet a lot of people who visited the booth and who knew me from the podcast or videos or just back home. And selling the promos was fun. You know, I like selling game-related stuff, you know, and chatting to people. It's just, I don't know, I quite like that customer exposure in a sense, but it was just nice to talk to people. 
And if you're one of those people who came up and shook hands and said hi, saying, you know, you listened to my work or you read my reviews, then thank you for that. You know, I know the Dice Tower a lot and various other people like Rado and that are so used to people coming up to them every five seconds wanting their autograph. For me, that doesn't happen, obviously. But it's just nice to have somebody come up and say, you know what? Thanks for your work. Keep up the good job. And, well, you know what I mean. And, you know, just go at it. It's really good it feels good to get that kind of feedback every now and again and even if you've got suggestions for improvement i'm willing to listen because things can improve and so can the broken people in general but i mean one i I wish i could remember his name but he came up to the dice tower booth and he wanted tom and everyone else to sign his copy of nothing personal fair enough that's kind of what a few people did but what completely blew my mind was that this person also asked me to sign his game he said you know you're part of the dice tower as well you should sign this as well and this is the first and who knows probably the only time and that somebody is ever going to ask me to sign a game and it just completely blew my mind at that point i really didn't know how to react it was kind of like one of the defining best moments i could think of at the time and i signed the game i got video i've got photo evidence so you know no pixel didn't happen comment it happened and i could not thank the guy enough for wanting me to sign a game that is the first time it's happened and hopefully not the last but you know we're not in this for fame we're in this to enjoy board games and talk to the community but it really was just a shocking moment for that to happen But everybody else I got to chat to on the stand, or whilst I was walking around, or even during demos, it was great to see you all. Now, in terms of games I demoed, I did demo quite a few games, although it was difficult getting into some of the ones that I really wanted to. And I didn't buy every single game that I knew I wanted, because by the time I got into the demo, they'd kind of sold out of stock, and I'm not the sort to just buy a game on a whim without having some idea of what I'm getting into. With some exceptions, I agree. But out of my previous list, I remember a few of the ones that I was looking forward to, and I did get to try some of them out. Although, a lot of them didn't necessarily hit the mark. Now, for starters, London Dread by Grey Fox Games was one that I was really looking forward to. The theme looked good, it looked good on the board, I liked the idea of an app, it was cooperative with a timed phase. I thought, oh, this could be a nice alternative to XCOM. And it wasn't really, I mean, it wasn't bad, but you're essentially just moving your guys around a board and trying to match up symbols. And then the final climatic round is based on a die roll. So you could do as well as you like the entire game and then at the end, just fail, just because of bad rolling. It didn't really hit the mark for me. Last Friday was another one. I actually did buy this whilst I was there. However, subsequent plays of it is starting to make me think, oh, maybe I should have held back, I don't know. But more on that when I get to it. I'm sure I'll get that one out for review at some point in November, if I'm lucky. And there were just other games that I remember playing where it's like, yeah, this is fine, but it's not blowing my head off. However, I did buy a few gems whilst I was there. I really enjoyed playing a demo of Cry Havoc by Portal. That was good fun. The asymmetrical nature of all those alien races that you can play on the board, area control, the little mini deck building element, looks the business, great miniatures. That one kind of hit the mark for me. On top of that, Portal also, to be fair, I think I put Ignacity's kids through college or something because not only did I get Cry Havoc, I remember getting the reprint of Robinson Crusoe, because I wanted the upgraded components, the upgraded rulebook, and I wanted to kind of mix and match the first edition one that I had, maybe like use the first edition box, but use the second edition components, and essentially come up with my perfect setup for Robinson Crusoe. 
I that was going to leave it at that, but then it's like, oh yeah, you've got the Aztecs expansion for Imperial Settlers. I'll just grab that one. And then on top of that, on the final moment of Saturday, I was able to get a demo in of Crazy Carts, which I'll try and get played and reviewed at some point this year. And Crazy Carts is essentially like a board game version of Mario Kart, except two of you are in the cart at once, and one of you controls half of its functions, and the other player controls the other half. But you're not allowed to discuss what you're planning to do when you're in this little mini timed phase of select what actions you're going to do. Really good fun, good laugh, and it doesn't take too long, and that was an insta-purchase as well. So, in terms of publishers, Portal really took a lot of my money, I must admit. <laughs> they took most of my money whilst I was there. But, in a good way, I do like Portal's games quite a bit. I received quite a few review copies from various publishers as well. I have four in particular from Eagle Griffin Games. I have the Daedalus Sentence, I have Morocco, I have Continental Divide, and Heir to the Pharaoh. Those are going to have to get played and reviewed at some point when I get round to it, because I do have a review pile this big. I know you can't see me on the podcast, but imagine my hands are wide as anything, because it is a huge review pile at this point. I also got given one called Black Orchestra by uh, Game Salute. I also picked up my free copy of Crisis from Ludi Creations. I playtested that one and reviewed it earlier in the year after the UK Games Expo, you might recall. And so I was allowed to have a copy of the game. And it's unpacked. It's all ready for me to play more. And it's not going to get another review because pretty much the copy I've got is the same as the one I played back then. Yeah, there might be minor tweaks, but apart from that, it's pretty much the same game. So if you want to know what I think of Crisis, have a look back on the blog and see my review of that. But I'm glad to have my own copy. I didn't, however, get a copy of Terraforming Mars, despite the fact that I was very impressed with it in the demo. It sold out by the time I could get into a demo, but I'm not too bummed about that. At the end of the day, it's going to be a popular game, it's going to constantly keep coming back in the print, and the next time it's in print, I'll grab a copy then. I've got enough games to play as it is, so I can wait, but I was still at least impressed with the way the game ran. There were other ones that I played from expansion-wise, you know, Bang the Dice Game had a really good uh, old saloon expansion there, Celestia's little mini expansion was nice, so I picked that one up, I already mentioned the Aztecs expansion, I missed out on the Hyperborea Light and Shadow expansion though, because I was kind of, "Mm, do I want to spend that much on an expansion, do I play Hyperborea enough for it, I'm very tempted, I probably will get it, but then it ran out of stock by the time I could get around to making the decision, so it's like, whoops. But I'm sure I'll get that when it comes back into retail release. So there wasn't much there that I thought, ooh, this is a real hidden gem. But I will mention one in particular, and that was Coffee Roaster. The first time I even heard about this game was during the Dice Tower Live show, which I'll get onto later. And with this one, I thought, okay, a game about brewing coffee. We've already had things like Viva Java, the dice game, and things like that. But seriously, brew your own coffee solitaire game. How fun can this be? But... It went on, I can't remember if it was Jason or Eric that went on about this one in the live show, but they, you know, they talked highly of it, it got a few laughs, and I thought, I'm going to have to try this one out. And it was done by the TBG standard, Taiwan Board Games, and, you know, they tend to have some fairly good hidden gems every now and again. You've never heard of any of their games, it's just the fact that you go there and you try them out and you realise, oh, 
oh, these are actually pretty decent. It's the same reason people go to the Japan Brond, um, Japan Brond, Japan Brond, you know, that stand, which was pretty much next door to it, because there's all these little quirky Japanese games that no one's ever heard of, but they want to get because they're rare and you'll never see them again. And I have played one or two of them at um, Aircon when I'll, I'll get onto that later. But, you know, they're actually pretty decent games every now and again. So it's certainly worth checking out the uh, other side of the world for some game design ideas. So in Coffee Roaster, as an overview, you have a bag of tokens. You choose a coffee that is a world-renowned coffee that you're going to brew. It will have a target number for how big that the roast rating needs to be, or mention like what flavors it could do with. And it will have a preset list of tokens that you put into this bag. And in each turn, you will draw a certain amount from the bag, and you'll do all these types of shenanigans with them. You'll spend certain tokens to... Uh, conjure up actions you know to improve the bag you'll take you'll try to trash certain bad tokens out of your bag like the hard beans or the moldy beans you will leave some beans out of your bag at the end of the turn to upgrade well i say upgrade to roast to the next level because they all start off at like zeros and ones and you eventually up them to up to as high as level four because what you then do when you're ready to brew the coffee you say right that's it i'm going to brew it and then on another board, you have this mug with 10 slots for the uh, tokens and some extra spaces if you bought the requirements for them. And the idea is, is that you will draw tiles from your tiles, tokens from your bag until you've filled up that mug with 10 of them. And the idea is, is that you add up all the bean ratings and see if you can hit the mark on the coffee that you were trying to do. If you are spot on, you get the most points. But if you veer under or over, the points diminish. So you're aiming for this particular bit. So you can't just go, oh, well, I'll at least hit 17, for example, because that'll be enough. No, because if you go too far above 17, you've burnt your coffee. And if you go underneath, you haven't brewed it long enough. And so there's other things you can do, like putting aromas and sweetness and stuff like that into it. And it was just really addictive. It wasn't difficult to learn. The production quality is amazing for a small solitaire game. I was really impressed with the thought that went into the components here. And... It was just really quirky solo game. I'll get onto in more detail when I do a proper review, whether written or on audio, but this one deserves some attention if you haven't heard of it already. So that's a, we'll call that a first impression for this episode. Coffee Roaster, you know, keep your ears peeled for when I talk about that one properly. Other convention highlights included, of course, the Dice Tower live show, which I spent you know, my usual allotted screen time of like five seconds on the panel to just talk about, I think I was talking about last Friday and the convention in general. You know, I was there as a special guest, but it was entertaining to watch uh, me, Barry and somebody else. I forget his name. Sorry. You know, we got a shout out as to Kunju, as con contributors to the podcast you know and i was slightly overshadowed by barry because he decided he was going to stand up on his chair and sort of like make a massive spectacle of it and it's like he's very much like that he's very flamboyant but you know bless him but yeah i was kind of like hmm maybe i should have done that but yeah we we get on well it's a great laugh and it was just nice to have you know some kind of you know we're here you know we do exist type thing but the Dice Tower show was hilarious. I mean, they all had microphones that only worked one at a time, so they kept cutting each other out. The game show they did, which was a bit like Family Fortunes or Family Feud if you're in America, and you know, that was really good fun. I wish I could have been on that game show, actually. That looked like a laugh. I managed to guess a lot of the second choice because they were trying to not guess the most popular answer. 
So I was actually able to guess a lot of the second most popular ones from when I was in my seat. It would have been quite good fun to do that. Maybe at the UK Games Expo they'll try something similar and we'll be able to do it again. Failing that, maybe Essen next year. But in order to get to that sort of level, I need to get back into video. So yes, help me on the Patreon, you know, <laughs> plug. On top of that, there was also a very interesting event by Modifius Games that was hosted at my hotel. They were doing a presentation for, you know, this is where we're going, this is our new releases. They were showing off prototypes of um, the Kung Fu Panda dice rolling game, which was actually quite a good laugh. It's a bit manic, it's a bit like Escape Curse from the Temple, but replace the getting out of a temple with your generic investigators with all the characters from Kung Fu Panda beating up ninjas. It was entertaining, it was a good laugh, but it's a typical fast-paced dice rolling game, so take it for what it is. But the highlight was being able to sit in a game of Thunderbirds with the Hood expansion and play against Matt Leacock. Yes, he was there and he was playing the role of the Hood, because now you can play as the bad guy, and a group of us were trying to beat him as the good guys. We were only able to get half a game in and other people took over, but we were really keeping him on his edge for that first half of the game, and it was great fun. You know, he's a decent bloke, he's very light-hearted, we were light-hearted, we were jesting, we were trash-talking, it was all good fun. And then the other people took over and they lost. What? What, guys? Come on, we gave you such a good foundation and then you lost, hey? What was your game, eh? But that was a great bit of fun. It was just a nice bit of entertainment for, I think it was the Saturday evening, just to learn a bit more about Modifius games in general, really, because I don't own any of their games, I don't think. I mean, I played the Thunderbirds one and that's about it. So it was nice to actually learn, oh yeah, this is what you guys do, fair enough. You know, a bit of insight into a publisher that I didn't already know. So I do like going to these events. Unfortunately, I was also meant to be going out for, I think, potentially a lunch with another publisher or with Tom and some of the guys. Unfortunately, he forgot to invite me to it, which didn't help. But, ah, well, he had a lot on his plate anyway, so same time next year, I guess. But it was certainly great to go to one of those as well. So in general, Essen 2016 was a hoot. I enjoyed it, not as much as 2015, I think 2015 was better, however that might be spoiled by the site kid in the candy shop mentality and it was my first time. Maybe because now I'm a bit more restrained, I can take it easy and go, alright let's see it for what it is, let's just take your time and go and maybe that was it. Or maybe the game quality just wasn't as good this year, because I do think that even though there were some gem games there, there was a lot there which I thought, yeah this is okay, but it's not is not offering, I don't think games are offering enough new things. They're not being innovative enough. All we're getting is the same stuff rehashed, the same themes rehashed, and it's not offering anything new to the table. So even if it's a good game, you've got to make me want to replace this one I already have. And it just wasn't quite measuring up. However, it was still great. I was kind of done by the end of Saturday, so I spent most of my time on the Dice Tower booth on Sunday and bought, well, I did manage to find a few gaming inserts, which, if you've seen my photos in the last couple of days, I spent ages putting them together. <laughs> but, you know, they're all good as well. So, next year, I'll hope to work on the Dice Tower booth again. I hope to get a bit more involved with some of their events, maybe the Dice Tower live show in more detail. I might even consider helping out a publisher with demoing games. I do like teaching games, and it would be cool to do it at a convention, even though I know it's hard work. The only problem is, is that they generally want you for something like two days straight, and to do that and the Dice Tower booth thing, I'd spend most of my time working as opposed to actually going around a convention and trying out games, so I might have to see on that. If they just want it for like a day, that might not be too bad, but otherwise I might just have to be a little bit careful with that. 
But yeah, all in all, Essen 2016, a great hoot. I will be there for Essen 2017. I'm going to have to get on with booking my hotel at some point soon. So if you're going to Essen next year and you know which hotel you're going to be in, give me a shout if enough people are staying in it, then I'll try and aim for that same hotel. But obviously, I want to be as close as I can. And the Motel Ho- the Motel 1 Essen, even though it's incredibly minimalistic for the price... It was also very well located. There was plenty of restaurants nearby I could try, including Pfefferkorn's, which was a very good steak restaurant. Expensive, but very good steak. One of the best steak burgers I've had in a long time. And it was also close to the train station, so that's very handy to get to the convention. Of course, I will give you a tip if you're thinking of going next year and you've not seen the public transport there before. German public transport is great. It is near flawless. However... They do not up the frequency of their trains, particularly on the weekends, for Essen Convention. And loads of people are trying to get on that same train to Essen. It is packed. If you get on that train after it has left Essen Hauptbahnhof, or whatever it is, Essen HBS station, the main one, if you get on it after then, you are in danger of not getting on the train because you are packed in like sardines. And this is for the way back as well. So, some tips for you. If you're going to get on the train, stay at a hotel, which means that you're before SNHBF, because then you'll be able to get on it before all the other people pack it in like sardines. Also, when you're finishing the convention, leave early. I know you don't want to waste time, and you don't want to like, oh, but I didn't get as much as I would out of the convention. Trust me, you really want to be on that train, leaving Essen before the convention ends because otherwise you'll get caught in the same problem of sardines being packed in and on Thursday and Friday this is painful enough on Saturday it is horrific because Saturday is the most popular day and there's less trains going because it's a weekend so you need to be warned about this leave the convention at minimum half an hour before it ends get on that train find out what time it's leaving and get on that train before the rush happens otherwise you will regret it trust me on this one i was packed in more than once on occasion and it is a hot experience to sit on that thing or stand on that thing with yourself crushed in with your bag trying not to get things crushed for like 20 25 minutes you really need to plan your public transport. Now, if you're going to drive there, fair enough, but I don't know how expensive the parking is. And if you're going to walk there, well, then you got lucky. So, you know, that is the way it is. If you're going to go there by train, just bear those thoughts in mind. But anyway, enough about Essen. Let's talk about another convention, and that is Aircon 3, or Aircon 2016, October, or whatever you want to call it. Basically, Aircon. So, Aircon, this was a new one for me as well. The host, Mark Cook, approached me at the UK Games Expo earlier this year and invited me up. I'd never heard of it before, it never really appeared in the Queen's Advertiser, and in the end I've been looking to try out new conventions this year, and I must admit, I've tried out quite a lot. I might have to just uh, tone it a little bit next year, or maybe just keep it at this level and stick to my favourites. I'm already trying a new one in January, HandyCon. That's uh, a bit more local, so the more local, the more likely it is I'll go to the convention. If it's a bit further afield, it's a little bit more tricky. That's why I'm not going to MidCon in November this year, because it's just that little bit too far, especially after all the rush of October. I need to take a break until January. But enough of that. Aircon. 
hosted by Mark Cook. It's up in Bradford, so close to Leeds. And this year it was in, a, I think it was in the same venue as it was before. It was in, uh, what was it called? It was basically in a big hall. So we had the, you know, the main hall for games. We had some downstairs rooms for more games. We had a little side room for, you know, little gimmicky events that they were doing, as well as a podcast panel. I'll get onto that later. But in general, it ran very smoothly, I thought. This was, literally, it's hosted by him and a few of their friends, you know, no outside influence. You got a few, you know, indie publishers coming there, or indie designers coming there to, you know, show off a couple of their games, so you get a little bit of that. You had the Bring and Buy store, which was more popular than they expected it to be, but they rose to the occasion and managed to cope with the rush very well, I thought. The Travelling Man, who is a retailer, was there as well selling games. You know, prices were reasonable and a pretty good selection of top quality games, I thought. And then even better was that the Travelling Man also had their board game library there where you could basically pay a deposit and check out a game and then you returned it, signed a little passport thing and you could just keep doing that. And there was a good selection of games in that library. That I was very impressed with because you get some board game libraries where there's just like, who on earth even heard of this game, let alone played it? You know, you tend to find that a lot when somebody brings their own collection over. But this was solid. There was plenty of choice. I was strapped for choice as to, oh god, there's so much here. I could teach them this, I could teach them that, I could teach them that. Even stuff I knew I'd already played for ages. It was just refreshing to get those off the library. Now, annoyingly, I forgot to pay my, I forgot to claim my £10 back. <laughs> which was a little bit of a misnomer of memory loss on my part. So, oh well, £10 gets donated to the convention. You know, well done, guys. But yeah, I put in a deposit, got a load of games out, and then on the last day, forgot to take it out. Whoops. I think I was too hard up on trying to get all my games off the bring and buy sale, which the majority of them sold. Not all of them, but some of them have now sold on Facebook. So, aside from a couple which I'm still trying to sell... You know, it all went pretty well. So some nice money made back from that, you know, to pay for a bit of this podcast equipment, I guess. So it was a good conventional round. I got to meet a lot of people there that I know from Twitter. I mean, Jay from Breacher 18 was there. The Polyhedron Collider crew was there. Also Matthew Jude, Dan Hughes. There was a lot of cool people there that I knew from Twitter that I got to meet and actually play games with. So that was a particular highlight, just being able to meet all these new people. Well, not even new people. People that I've known just don't get to see very often. And that tends to happen more at the UK conventions for obvious reasons. But it was even more surprising here, I think. I've maybe short of the UK Games Expo. I've not met so many people I knew off Twitter and Facebook at a convention until this one. So... Hopefully we'll get more next time when they shift premises to an even bigger venue next year. I didn't think this one was too small. I mean, there was usually a table. It was popular, but you could usually find somewhere to sit. You wouldn't be able to do, like, the most massive of games that you've got, but you would certainly be able to do majority of them. And there might have been some bigger tables somewhere, I can't remember, but I wasn't playing anything too huge. And people were able to play A Feast for Odin on some of those tables, so it can't be all bad if you can fit something like that on there. With this one, it was simply a turn up and play games. I was there with the t-shirt just to, you know, advertise a little bit, but mainly I was there to play games. And there was certainly plenty I did, you know, not just old ones that I was used to. Uh, in terms of new stuff, I got to finally play Cottage Garden, which I missed out on at Essen. This was the Uri Rosenberg's, uh, what I like to call patchwork for multiplayer game, where essentially you're building flower beds and you're trying to score, you're trying to 
collect tiles off this board and place them on yours and fill it all up, fill up all the spaces and then score it. Nice and simple, nice and quick. I thought it was really well and elegantly designed. You know, it's not like the most entertaining thing since sliced bread. I mean, but it's very elegant and it works. If you like patchwork, there's no reason you shouldn't like this one. And unfortunately, they didn't have a copy there to sell. But I'll keep an eye out of this one in the future when it comes out properly on retail release. Uh, on top of that, somebody, Dan Hughes, had a really weird one from Essen that he bought. It was from the uh, Japan Bronze uh, stool, and I think it was called the Mask of Anubis. Uh, I think that was what it was called. And essentially, it's like a little mini VR game. You have this weird cardboard helmet that's shaped like an Anubis mask. You pop your phone in there, and what you are doing is that one person will take it, you'll take it in turns to look through the mask into the phone, and it will prompt you into this little VR world. Think like Nightmare, the, the old 80s series. And what you're doing is you are describing what you see. So you can say the corridor bends off there. You can say that's on the wall, that thing's behind me, etc. So you're spinning around trying to describe where you are. And the other players are trying to build what you are seeing from tiles on the on the table in front of you. And the idea is, is that you're trying to get this dog, don't ask me why, this dog character from the start to the shrine. And if you get it right, you win. But if you get it wrong and he ventures off on a path you didn't create, or you get it wrong and he climbs into a wall, you lose. So it's very easy to lose this game. But it was surprisingly good fun. A little bit surreal, I'll admit, to stand up in the middle of a convention hall with this weird mask on and go, right, that's behind me, to my left, I see this. It certainly was um interesting, to say the least. And some people, I won't mention names, are not as great at describing areas as we thought. <laughs> not me, I'm not going to say names, but yeah, there were one or two like, okay, seriously, you need to work on your left and right a little bit. But, <laughs> well, it was a great laugh and just what on earth, you know, only from Japan, I think, could you have a game like this. But it was very innovative and I enjoyed it. It's not one that I would probably go out and buy, but... I certainly would like, oh, you know what, let's play it. It's a good laugh, it's a good little gimmick. Just make sure you've got a bit of space to play in when you're spinning around all the time. Aside from that, I think all the other games were ones I was teaching others. I got to teach uh, players how to play, I think a lot of games I played with Matthew Jude, actually. We had quite a few sort of two-player experiences, and I got to teach in Seasons. I got to teach, I think I taught somebody Takinoko at one point. Um, I was also able to play Dixit with the Polyhedron Collider crew, and there was just a lot of games I remember playing, but, you know, nothing that necessarily stood out as, oh my god, this game's amazing, because I only played so many new ones, but certainly it was just relaxing to sit down and play games. And sometimes you need a convention that's going to do that for you, just put you in a seat, let you play games with people that enjoy playing games, and have a good time. Uh, Saturday night they had their sort of takeaway Bradford Curry that came around and served up food. That was a very nice curry, I'll give it that. So I think it was slightly overhyped in terms of this is going to blow your mind. But to be fair, for essentially a takeout curry prepared on site, it was very tasty. And it had good sides, it was just the right amount of spice. You know, I'd like to maybe go out for a proper curry meal next time. You know, you know, if you're listening, well, actually, I don't think we'd be able to because the convention lasted until something like 11 o'clock at night. But it would have been cool to have actually gone out for a proper curry night with, you know, Mark and some of the other Twitter folk. Maybe we'll do that next time because next time the convention is going to be hosted in March and it's going to take, a, take place over three days instead of two. That was maybe my slight drawback because I had to travel all the way from Portsmouth to Bradford by car, which is not a short journey, 
and it was only for Friday and Saturday, and I had to return on the Sunday. I would have maybe liked an extra day just to justify that journey. Next time, it's going to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, though, so that more than justifies it. And next time, I am going to fly to Leeds. I am not driving for five hours again like that, up the M1 and the A34, you know, to... Bradford again. It was just so mind-numbingly boring. <laughs> Nothing but motorway the entire way and those stupid M1 roadworks that put average speed cameras up and then don't show anyone working. <sighs> I don't know. Rant over. But next time I want to fly up to Leeds and get a lift. So, you know, if anybody can help me out with getting a lift from Leeds Airport to the new venue for Bradcon, I'd greatly appreciate it. I'll give you petrol money, don't worry. But even if it cost me a little bit extra, it would be just so much more convenient to fly from Southampton, you know, than drive for five and a half hours. It would also mean that I could spend more time at the convention. So, you know, we'll look into that come March time. Ooh, March. Yeah, I better start getting a hotel booked. I really need to sort that out. Oh, well, that's on the agenda. The biggest highlight of Aircon, though, was the podcast panel we did. The cast of Polyhedron Collider, that being Steve, John, and Andy, came up and hosted a podcast panel. It was them three, it was myself, it was Jay from Breacher 18, it was uh, Cult of the New was there, and also, uh, who else? Oh yeah, Mark Cook joined us, and another person from their live show, I... Sorry, I forget your name, but, you know, basically the entirety of the Polyhedron Collider, myself, Breacher 18, and Cult of the New... And it was a really fun podcast panel because what we did was five games that we hate that everyone else loves. So it was almost like a top ten list, but it was basically five and all of us discussed them in turn. This became quite a heated panel. Now, not in a bad way. Everybody was talking in jest. Well, I hope they were talking in jest. I seem to get a lot of abuse from Jay a lot of the times on these things, but I know she means well, but yeah. You know, whatever she dishes out, I'm more than happy to dish out back. So, you know, it's like a weird two-prong war that we've got going on. But, you know, great fun times. Now, I can't host that on my own channel for two reasons. One, the Polyhedron Collider hosts it, so it's on their channel. So go check out their website, polyhedroncollider.com, and search for it. Failing that, you can find it because I've not hosted it on my own blog, but I have posted a link to it in a previous article, so you can check it out there. But a second warning... It's not family friendly. Another reason I can't put it on here, another reason why you won't hear it on the Dice Tower, is because it's not family friendly. I tried my best to keep everyone in check, but to be honest, they don't do family friendly podcasts. If they swear, if they talk about rude innuendos, that's their business, it's what they do. But because I'm on the Dice Tower network, I have to adhere to a slight family friendly guideline, and obviously I wanted to do that from the word go before I was even on the Dice Tower anyway. So, you will hear some weird innuendo, you will hear some swear words from other people. I think I managed to keep myself pretty family friendly, you know, apart from one time where Jay twisted my words insanely. But, otherwise, I think it was pretty good for my part. But, like I say, the rest of the podcast is, you know, entirely not necessarily family friendly. So, I give you that warning now, just don't let your kids listen to it. But, you know, if you're all grown adults, then have a feel, listen to it. It's hilarious. We get up to some great banter. A few sacred cows are mentioned. There's some agreement with some of them, but there's certainly some disagreement with other games there. And just as a forefront, Mark Cook doesn't know about good games. (laughs) Let's just say that I disagree a lot with some of his choices, particularly one that I would like to veto pretty highly. Oh well, well, listen to the podcast. It was a great session, and I hope we can do more of those. 
it was a great laugh. You know, we literally did it on the fly. You know, the quality is okay. It's not perfect, but you know, we literally had like what one microphone and six of us. So you can only do so much with that. But in the future, these things will improve. I would love to do other panels with other people who have got, you know, other setups as well. So if you're at a convention and you want someone to guest on your podcast panel for whatever topic it is, then give me a shout. I'd be more than happy to join you for it. So in short, Aircon was a great convention as well. I literally had to go to that a few days after I came back from Essen. So it was somewhat... uh, tiring by the time I got back from there and then straight into another week of work. I've only just managed to relax now because until February the 3rd, I have Fridays off. Woohoo! Not because I'm working part-time, but because I had so much holiday backlog that I have to use by the end of January that I'm able to literally just go, oh well, I'm going to take Fridays off until then. I can't take any holiday off in February, March, and then in because of uh, priorities at work. And then after March, it resets and you can't carry it forward. So I have to use it up, and I've already, all I've really done this year is a Norway cruise, the UK Games Expo, and Essen. So I haven't had to take a lot of holiday off, period. So having Fridays off will mean that I can really catch up on this blog. I can get these written reviews out, you know, really reduce that review pile. I can get more of these podcast episodes out, like I really know I need to do a audio review of the networks from Jill Hover and uh, Ferret Games. I know I'm overdue on that one, I will get round to that very shortly. And But obviously I need to get this episode out because this one I should have done late October, but with everything going on it just wasn't possible. But now I hope to be able to get these episodes out a lot more regularly because, let's face it, with this setup it's a lot more enjoyable to do them. It's easier to record them, it's easier to edit them. I'm not saying it's a short job by any means, it's still going to take me a while, but just not having to faff around with a lot of the audio is pretty good. So the only thing I have to worry about is me losing my voice and having a bit of a sore throat at the end of this, because when you talk for an hour straight, it does take its toll. Believe me, it's taking its toll now. But anyway, that was Essen and that was Aircon. So I hope you enjoyed listening to me chat about those. I look forward to going to both of those next year and more conventions on top of that. So before I sign off for this, I need to just talk a little bit about the podcast format that I want to do in the future. As you know, I already do written reviews and I do podcast episodes with the occasional podcast review. Now, I want to get back into video, as I said, with the Patreon thing, so that's for the future, that's in the works. But I need to also think about what I'm doing with the podcast, because obviously I want to continue it on. I want to do audio reviews still, and I want to continue doing these episodes. However, as I'm finding out with my voice now, and as I'm finding out with just finding the time, it's difficult to do one-hour episodes by myself, and edit them, and get them out. You know, they take a lot of time all at once. So what I want to think about is whether I carry on doing it that way because that's how people want it to happen. You know, an hour episode every month with the occasional uh, review episode. Or would you prefer that I made the podcast more regular in terms of output but shortened the episodes? So instead of having this one big episode where I do first impressions and discussion and top ten list, would you prefer if I just did it in lots of bite-sized chunks? Would you say that, you know, at some point in the week I do a first impressions episode? You know, I just happen to have just played these games, I will report on them straight afterwards. Would you prefer that I did the top 10 list as a separate episode entirely? Because the top 10 episodes take like half an hour of talking on an episode. 
Would you prefer that I just did them separately rather than on the main episodes, you know, just to shorten them a bit? Because that would cut the length in half and that would be so much easier to record and edit. Would you prefer that I did discussion episodes literally on their own so that on a particular time when something topical comes up that I just do a quick 10-minute, 15-minute chat about that particular topic? Would you just prefer it that way? Do you want me to continue doing these really long episodes with like everything in it, almost like a kind of self-variety show? Or would you prefer me to do the bite-sized chunk approach in order to get output more regular? Personally, I think I'm leaning more towards the bite-sized chunk aspect. However, that's not to say I'm opposed to doing it the other way, but I want to get an idea of what you guys think as well. So can you please pass me some feedback on the Facebook page, on my Twitter page, on email, speak to me at conventions, at gaming nights, whatever, and let me know what it is you actually want me to do with this. Because at the end of the day, I do this for you guys. It's not just my enjoyment of doing it. I'm also doing it for you listeners. So... Whatever it is that you want me to do, I will collate some feedback, I will have a think about it, and I'll let you know what I'm planning to do in the future. So, that's it from me for episode 48 of the new and improved podcast with the new voice. I gotta admit, I hope this voice quality turns out the way I like. I feel like a Time Lord after he's regenerated in Doctor Who. Every time they do it, they always check their body parts and say, oh yes, I've still got two legs and that. But I feel like I've regenerated with a new voice. You know, hello, hello, hello. You know, just to see how well this microphone does. So fingers crossed it was worth the investment and the quality improves from this point on. Because it's not like this is the final product. If I can find ways to tweak this on Audacity or find ways to talk more properly into the microphone distance-wise or, you know, moving around-wise, we'll see. But certainly, I hope that this has been a solid improvement in audio quality. Please give me your feedback on that. I need to know from you guys how it hears, not just how it hears from my perspective, because they're two completely different things, especially if you live across the waters. And obviously, you know, I mean, English might not be your first language. You might not be accustomed to like the British accent over an American accent, for example. I need to know how well this listens to you. Or, you know, you know what I mean. I need to know how good the voice is. So, before I start hitting the hour mark, that's it for me on episode 48 of the Broken Meeple podcast. Thank you for listening. Keep playing games. I'll see you on the next Broken Meeple. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about the Broken Meeple, there are various sources for you to choose from. You can check out the written review blog at brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk. You can find me on Facebook at The Broken Meeple. You can find me also on Twitter at The Broken Meeple. If you live anywhere near Portsmouth, Hampshire, you can come to one of our board gaming clubs. Search for Portsmouth on board on meetup.com or Facebook and check out our pages. Also, check out my Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash thebrokenmeeple and pledge anything you can to help me get back into video and improve this experience for you. Thanks for listening, take care, enjoy playing games, and from me and everyone else at the Dice Tower, have fun gaming. You're listening to the Dice Tower Network. If you like this show, you might like Out of Game or the Plaid Hat Podcast. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. <laughs>